0: Well, there's an outline in your bulletin. Open your Bibles if you have it with you to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I want to ask you a question. When you consider who's a hero, what names come to mind? It would be fascinating just to have you write them down. I'd love to see those names. I'm sure we'd have all kinds of names, but I hope that every one of us, if we've been listening to the news this last week, would have. Alex Carlatos, Spencer Stone, and Anthony Sadler on our list. Those are the three guys, the Americans, joined by a Brit who jumped that jihadist on the train bound from Amsterdam to Paris. I guess it started as the story unfolded when uh, he emerged, that Moroccan terrorist, from a bathroom on that train with an automatic weapon, and he was jumped by a Frenchman who didn't know that he had another gun, when he ripped that automatic weapon from him, he was shot by a handgun. He lay there on the floor bleeding, dying. And uh, that's when uh, those three friends, with a nod from one of them, sprang to their feet, tackled the guy, took the weapons away, and actually, in the process, saved the life of the Frenchman who was on the floor bleeding. And, and they said that, uh, wow, I mean, these guys are heroes. There they are on the cover of People magazine, And they said, the French president said, who knows how many hundreds of people they saved. There were over 500 on that train. So the French president presented them with the highest French honor uh, that could be given to them. These guys were best friends. They grew up in California, went to a Christian uh, elementary school together, a couple of them to middle school, Christian middle school, and then graduated from the same Christian high school there. Why are they celebrated as heroes? Because they risked their lives. They stopped the bad guy. They saved the lives of other people. And so they're celebrated in our culture as heroes, as as they should be. But People Magazine celebrates all kinds of heroes, some that don't necessarily possess those kinds of qualities, not necessarily noble qualities. I mean, they'll celebrate athletes or performers, or celebrities, or even politicians who have their fans, right? But some of these people that are lifted up in our culture as heroes, they may be just absolutely self-centered or living lives that we think, are you kidding? But if they have a fan base, if they're admired, they're called heroes. We have to choose wisely, folks, those whom we regard as heroes. Do you think that Moroccan jihadist had his heroes? You better believe he did. They were just the wrong kind of heroes, and it led to this tragedy aboard that train. Well, my grandsons have their own heroes. In fact, they're heroes themselves. I I told them, I, I sent the cover of People magazine to my son, and I said, Look, they made the cover of People magazine. Our grandson Brooks on top there, when he was shown this, he said, I can't believe we're on the newspaper, you know. (laughs) But Brooks in particular has a rack and all kinds of costumes on it. He's got Iron Man and Superman and Thor. He's got a Jedi Knight and firefighter uniform and doctor. So they've got their heroes. Here's what I've really come to believe. Heroes are defined variously by the values that people most admire. When he dons Spider-Man, I mean, it's like he's out to save the world, and bravery and, and rescuing others is a, is a good and a noble quality. He'll grow out of that, but we shouldn't grow beyond that ourselves and recognize what values are really important. And so the heroes that we admire actually say a lot about us, don't they? In other words, what do we think is really noble and worth giving hero status to? But here's the deal. As followers of Christ, shouldn't we really be asking, "Well, what does God consider heroic? What values, what qualities are important to him? We don't have to wonder for long because the Hebrew writer in this New Testament letter lays out a list of heroes. And there's a common thread that flows through all of them. In fact, Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Faith in God and in the promises of God was what God approved of the men and women that are listed in this chapter. We're going to look at a few of them. But if you're not familiar with this chapter, I really encourage you to take it out this afternoon. Read Hebrews 11 and ponder the qualities of these men and women. But here's the deal. Heroes are ordinary people made extraordinary by their choices. Heroes are ordinary people made extraordinary by their choices. When you really look at the men and women in here, they weren't that outstanding. It's just that they made some choices that made their lives extraordinary. And here's A piece of news for you. I believe that every one of you has the capability of being a hero in God's eyes. Seeking to honor him by faith, you'll gain his approval. We need to understand that. And uh, that's what we see in the lives of these people. Let's take a look at some of the principles that I think set them apart. Here's the first. It's in your outline. Heroes in God's Hall of Fame gain approval acting by faith, not seeing the outcome. This chapter opens with this well-known verse. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Isn't that a little paradoxical? Does that seem to even make sense? How can you be assured of things that you only hope for? And how can you be convinced of things that you haven't seen? Well, here's the deal. It depends on who made the promise. And these people knew the promise of things they only hoped for, the things they hadn't seen were from God, and so they were assured and they were convinced. That's what set them apart. Some of us are like from Missouri, and I'll believe it when I see it. Show me, okay? Actually, God's saying, trust me, and that's what I honor Here's a couple of examples from this chapter. First, verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. He was called to build a boat, but not just any boat. I mean a big boat. He'd never seen anything like it before. You know what else he hadn't seen? He hadn't seen floods, and he hadn't even seen rain. It tells us in Genesis that a dew used to come up from the earth and water the land. And God's telling him, there's going to be a big rain, Noah, and you've got to build a big boat. And he did it. And not only did he do it for himself, but for his family. And they were saved because he believed God. I mean, people here talk today about the end of the age, about a coming judgment, and ignore it. Well, that's what the people of Noah's day did. But they do it to their peril. And, and, and Noah said, no, I believe you, God. And so he built that boat. And in fact, you know what? That boat was 450 feet long by today's standards. And there was not a larger boat built until 1858. Then a boat called the Himalaya was built, which was half the size of Noah's Ark. And then that same year, p and O, a a company out of Liverpool, built a ship called the Great Eastern, which was larger than Noah's Ark. 1858, all that time. I mean, that's a long time. But Noah did it because he believed God and saved his ha- household in the meantime. Folks, If we believe God about a coming judgment, then we need to build an ark and we need to believe in the ark of safety that's provided, and that's Jesus. Because when the flood comes, when judgment comes, he's the only safe place to be in. That's faith in Jesus Christ. And we need to, even though we can't see him, we believe in him, Peter says, and experience the joy of salvation. Here's another one. Uh, By faith... Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Now, I think a number of us probably have gone out not knowing where we're going, but he was called to go to a particular place. He lived in a place called the Ur of the Chaldees when Dee and I were in in, uh, Europe here a few years ago, There's a museum there that's amazing in Berlin. And you can see like Nebuchadnezzar's gate, the time of Daniel. You can see relics uh, that have been excavated from the Ur of Chaldees, where Abraham was. It's amazing. Uh, That was a sophisticated city, 2000 BC, believe it or not. They had running water. They had all kinds of things in that city. They now have discovered. God spoke to this guy. He lived in an idolatrous city, And said, come out of there, Abraham, and I'm going to show you a place that I'm going to give you as an inheritance. He left his family. He left that city, went out into the wilderness because he believed God. And even though he hadn't seen what God would do, he he acted upon that. Not only that, God said, Abraham will give you a son. And through him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, that would be Jesus ultimately down through that lineage. But Abraham started getting older. His wife got way beyond childbearing years, and now Abraham is really old, and yet he held on to that promise of God. And they were given a son, and most of you know the story. When that boy was a teenager, God said, Okay, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, that son of promise, and lay him on an altar and offer him as a sacrifice. What? What? He did it. And Hebrews says he did it because he believed that God was even able to raise him from the dead. He acted in faith even though he couldn't see what would happen as a result. And God honored and approved that. I believe that God asks each of us to step out in faith. Maybe to put our faith in Christ. To repent. To be baptized. To step into a small group. Maybe we talk about this Believe series but I haven't been in a small group. I don't know about these Ohana groups. It's an act of faith. Yeah, we can't see the result, but we'll find that God approves of that and blesses us if we'll take these steps of faith. We have, I believe every day we have opportunities to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, telling us to do something or to turn away from something, and we can act in faith, not knowing the outcome, but believing the one who said it and will be blessed if we make the right decision. Heroes are ordinary people made extraordinary by their choices. Secondly, heroes in God's hall of fame gain approval, risking present comfort for future reward. Here's another great example of that and that's in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses, most of you know, rescued from a basket in the Nile River because they were slaying all those male children among the Israelite slaves in Egypt. But uh, his family had placed him in that basket. And the princess, the Pharaoh's daughter, found him, pulled him out of the Nile, raised him as her own in the palace of the mightiest and wealthiest nation on earth. And so this little boy grew up and he had it all. I mean... And you imagine the toys he got to play with and, and uh, the things he got to do. And then as he came into adulthood, everything was at his disposal. Think of a luxurious lifestyle today. He had all of that in what people think is important in terms of sinful pleasures and uh, passions. He, he, he had it all. But you know what? He'd figured out along the way that those slaves out here were his people and that the God that they worshiped was his God and so he left it all wouldn't be called the Pharaoh's daughter he's going to identify with these people and after 40 years in the wilderness he's the one that's able to lead them out of that bondage but here's the thing it it couldn't have been an easy decision for him and it isn't an easy decision for us but he was looking to the reward It says he'd rather have the riches of Christ than the treasures of Egypt you say well Jesus wasn't born yet that's true, but the Messiah was being looked for. And so when he laid in with the people of God, he joined them in waiting for the Messiah who would come. I believe you and I have a lot of choices to make when it comes to identifying with the people of God or just going along with the passing pleasures of sin. We're put in situations where we make decisions. We talk about Yeah, making worship a priority. We talk about connecting with others and one another in those Ohana Ohana groups. We talk about serving the Lord, finding a ministry. We talk about reaching the lost, making praying for lost people and and befriending them and loving them and sharing our story with them a priority. Well, the way we use our time is is a real reflection of whether we're just gonna enjoy the passing pleasures of sin or we're gonna throw in with the people of God, make our lives count for something significant. We only have so many lives, so many years in our lives, folks. And so that's the call upon each of us if we're gonna act in faith. And you know, when it talks about identifying with the people of God like Moses did, there's times. sometimes we're really challenged. Might be in a classroom, where there's a, a professor spouting all kinds of things against our faith, which happens regularly. It might be in a family gathering. It might be in a workplace where people are telling the kind of jokes that we just know that doesn't really jive with what my faith would say is right. Or maybe they're mocking Christ. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna remain silent? Or are we gonna stand for truth? Not in an obnoxious way, but throw in with the people of God and say, you know what, uh, I have to tell you, this is where I'm at and this is who I believe in. That's choosing to identify with Christ rather than just absorbing and embracing passing pleasures of sin. Heroes are ordinary people made extraordinary by their choices. And then finally, heroes in God's Hall of Fame gain approval, sacrificing personal safety to rescue others we had Noah then we had Abraham Moses now look at this by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace Rahab the harlot how does she fit into that group into that kind of company because she believed God God doesn't care about our background. He doesn't care where we've been, what we've done. He cares about our faith. Are we going to choose to trust him and then begin to live for him? When that harlot in the village of Jericho, along with all the residents in that city on the west side of the Jordan River, heard about the coming mass of people, those Israelites out in the wilderness, and the battles that they'd fought and won, They knew they were in trouble. But it was a walled city, and they were safe, or were they? But when those spies made it into the city, found their way to Rahab's dwelling, she let them in. She hid them at great personal risk to herself and her family. She'd have been killed and all her family if they'd have found them there. She sent them out by another way. And then when the nation of Israel came across and they marched around her city for seven days she had a scarlet cord hung in the window just like they had told her to do so when the walls would crumble they would know exactly where to go so they could rescue her and her family and they did so because she believed in the god that she knew had given them victory more than the idols that were in her city big decision on her part As a result, she and her family were welcomed into the people of God, and not only that, she found herself, even though she wouldn't know it at the time, in the lineage that would produce the Christ all those years later. So you open up Matthew and you read, there's Rahab in there, in that line that would produce the Messiah. That's the grace of God. Again, saying that it isn't where we've been, it isn't what we've done, it's who we choose to believe in, and in our faith, We can bring others with us, just like Rahab did. But I want to tell you, not everybody is into rescuing other people. I saw a Geico commercial uh, last night when I was watching the first football game of the season. And I want you to take a look at this. Ignore people. It's what you do. Come on. If you want to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance, you switch to Geico. It's what you do. Go on, Kitty Kitty. If you're a cat, you ignore people. You don't go for help. Cats aren't heroes. If you're a cat lover, I'm sorry. But Lassie would have been gone in a moment, you know? And so will we, as followers of Jesus, care not just for ourselves, but in acting in faith, we're gonna care about other people. Now, after The Hebrew writer shares 18 examples. Opening that chapter, he says this. This is fantastic. He says, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. He's going through the Old Testament here in all these accounts. Quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. But wait, let's look at these heroes, just a few of them real quickly. Gideon, Gideon was scared when God came to him and said, I want you to take an army and lead it against the Midianites who are oppressing you folks. Is that you, God? And he didn't even... He wasn't convinced, and he had to put that fleece out, and then God spoke to him through that, and he still didn't believe. He put another fleece out, and finally he acted in faith. Same way with Barak. Barak lived in that same period of the judges in the Old Testament. God spoke to him and said, you need to go, and you need to lead this army out against the enemy. And he went to Deborah the prophetess, and he said, I won't go unless you go with me. She said, I'll I'll go, but I'll get the credit. Well, he got a little bit of honor here, and he's in this Hall of Fame of Faith because in the end, he did act. Jephthah, in this list, what a foolish vow he made. And yet, because he acted in faith, here he is. Samson, we know about his problems, his problems with women, but in the final act of his life, there was faith. That gives me hope for you guys. No, it gives me hope for myself. It really gives me encouragement personally because, you know what, I've blown it so many times, failed innumerable times, but you know what, there's always the opportunity that you and I have to say, I'm going to choose to trust God and do what's right, and God honors that, and I'm so grateful for the mercy and the grace of God. He goes on. He says, women received back their dead uh, by resurrection— Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, chains and imprisonment. You know what? That was then, it's still happening. In many parts of the world today, all these reports that are filtering out from our missionaries in the Middle East, the Hashways and others that are there, the Joneses that are working with uh, the refugees fleeing ISIS and in various other countries, Our brothers and sisters in India, in Southeast Asia, they're being killed. They're refusing to deny Christ, counting rather on the reward that they'll receive by standing in faith rather than surrendering to persecution. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, they were flawed people, ordinary people, who chose to trust the Lord and were used greatly and honored by God, approved. In a few weeks, we will acknowledge the anniversary of 9-11. I mean, when I looked at the folks on, at our Friday night service, I realized many of them, well, they weren't even born then or they were very young when September 11, 2001 took place, so I had to go into a little (laughs) more explanation, hoping they'd heard about it in their history classes, but not counting on it. But that's when the terrorists took those planes and flew them into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center and brought them down in New York City. When they attacked the Pentagon with that plane as a weapon, when the plane went down in in, uh, Pennsylvania, Out of those accounts, didn't we hear about the heroes? And we should have. The firefighters, the police, the EMTs that rushed into those burning buildings when others were fleeing for their lives. And they died. They went in knowing probably wouldn't make it out alive. Many of them didn't. But the other stories of people that were working in those buildings, there were some amazing stories that have come as a result of that, too. I want to just share one briefly. And that is a fellow by the name of Al Braca. His wife turned on the news that morning because she wanted to see the weather in New York City, and saw the burning tower, Tower Number One, and knew that Al, her husband, worked on the 105th floor of that building as a bond trader. And she began praying immediately for him. He had also been in the attack in 1993 when the World Trade Center was bombed, and. He, as a believer, had you know, stopped and led an asthmatic woman to safety that day. Now, all these years later, she knew he was in trouble. She began praying. Friends, acquaintances began to call her and tell her that they had received final calls, final emails from uh, their loved ones on that floor. And then the reports came out that there was a man there that was leading them in prayer. And as the story unfolded and was put together, they realized that was Al. Al had, when they realized there was no escape, began talking to the people, and a group of 50 people gathered around him. He shared the gospel with them, and he led them in a prayer to put their faith in Jesus Christ. She said, I knew he would be ministering to people, but I never thought that he wouldn't be coming home. But he didn't. She said he hated his job there in the trade center tower he the the values that were expressed all around him just kind of were counter to his beliefs but he felt called he was convinced that God wanted him there and that he was to witness to his fellow or to his fellow workers and he had been for years he was attempt to witness to them share Christ with them and uh many of them just you know pushed him aside some of them mocked him, sarcastically called him the Rev. That's what he was known by to many of those people. But when that horrific day came, they turned to Al, and Al delivered. I mean, he was ready to share the gospel because he'd been making decisions based on faith, not on popularity or acceptance, but doing what he felt like was important so they could know Christ. Heroes are ordinary people made extraordinary by their choices. But I have to turn a corner as I close with one more point that I think is essential here, and that's this. There's one hero whose heroic action demands our admiration, obedience, and worship. I'm speaking of the one the Hebrew writer gets to in chapter 12, where he says this in the first verse, Therefore... despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This Jesus didn't embrace the cross. It wasn't that he was looking forward to the suffering. He endured the cross because of the joy that was beyond it. And that would be gathering to himself the people of all ages who would put their trust in what he had accomplished on the cross, giving his life a righteous and sinless life for the life of sinful and rebellious people. That's us. And if we put our faith in Christ, we find that forgiveness. In fact, Hebrews says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It isn't going to be our accomplishments. It isn't going to be our feats that we are able to pull off. It's going to be our faith that will bring us salvation that Christ came to give us. When I asked as I began Who comes to mind when you think of heroes? It it would be interesting to know who we came up with. And it might have been an athlete. It might have been uh, some celebrity, some performer. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, you know, all kinds of people. And you know what? That's okay. I think it's good to be uh, inspired by people around us. Maybe somebody in our family is a hero to us. That's good. But here's the deal. Reserve the pedestal for Jesus. Only Jesus is worthy of our absolute admiration, our obedience, and our worship. If we'll fix our eyes on him, if we'll honor him, if we'll act in faith in his promises, we can live for him and others can see Christ through our lives. Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, we honor you as our superhero, as the one to whom all honor is due. And I would pray for anyone here this morning that's yet to just find the forgiveness and the promise of everlasting life that you so eagerly offer to us and have won for us through your sacrifice, that he or she might say, yes, I believe, Jesus. I receive you into my life. I welcome you, and ask you to forgive all my sins. Make me the person you have called me to be. May this be the day of salvation for that person, Lord. And for those of us who are believers, I pray that we would embrace you, exalt you, and follow you by acting in faith, even if we can't see the result, trusting you for the greater reward. Pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.